the uncivilized state of our politics. From the Battelle studio at WOSU at COSI, this is Columbus on the Record. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Ann Fisher, host of All Sides with Ann Fisher on WOSU 820. William Hershey, statehouse reporter for the Dayton Daily News. Bob Clegg, Republican strategist. And Michael Daniels, co-publisher of Outlook Media. Welcome to this special edition of Columbus on the Record. We'll take a step back from the weekly grind to look at what seems to be an increasing amount of nastiness in politics here in Ohio and across the country. Of course, Democrats and Republicans have always been rivals, but in the last 10 years or so, it seems to have gone from a friendly rivalry to a nasty rivalry with name-calling, deep personal animosity, no middle ground, and no compromise. Bill Hershey, you've covered politics in Washington and Columbus for a number of years. Has it ever been this bad before, or is this similar to other eras? I'd, I think it's bad, but I think it has been bad in previous times. But we didn't have the 24-7 news cycle before, and we didn't have the Internet. And this magnifies. Things travel at uh, rapid speed now. You know, I, say, I might say uh, John Kerry is a, a traitor, not a hero of the... Vietnam War, and it used to maybe take a day for that to get out there. If you started something like that now, it'd be all over the world in 30 seconds. And I think that those things uh, play on each other and make things worse. I mean, we were talking before the show, there used to be canings of people and right. duels fought. <laughs> now that's uh, not very civil. That's acrimony. <laughs> yeah, and, and and not only is it on in thirty seconds, it's on. It can it'll be on for another three hundred yeah. years. I mean, yeah. it doesn't go away. Once it's on the internet, it rarely goes away. Well, and I think that you're talking about how long things can be on. I think also the fact that we used to have an election day, right. and we now have an election month and a half in most states, um, and so where we used to be spared, all of those ads would come flying at us mm-hmm. over the course of seven or eight days. Now they start. 75 days before the election and we're subject to them over and over and over because you you don't know who's voted early you don't know whether they've seen your ad or not so then you just you just keep plugging is it as bad us away from the cameras out of the public's eye i mean do these folks get along or they really do not get along bob if in your, in your experience i think i think they get along more than you would think but i don't think they get along as much as they did maybe 20 years ago uh, I worked in the legislature back then, and it seemed like they had more uh, interaction with each other afterwards, and you know they would go away to the Galleria and you know have drinks together. I don't see that happening as much now. I think part of that, though, might be because of term limits. Term limits. You just aren't here that long anymore, um, and I think that's 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 been part of the impact on the the relationship building or lack thereof. And they, when they went drinking together, they didn't just go drinking together; they were drinking buddies. Some of them. Yeah, they right. were close friends, and they did a lot of work. It wasn't just then. cordial; they got a lot of work done. They got a lot of work done away from the state house, and now it doesn't work that way. I think there's also kind of a blurring of the line these days between what's a personal demonization and what's a policy demonization. You think of some of these ads where they had uh, Chinese flags flying. Now that's a public policy question, I guess. But uh, to make it seem like someone is subservient to a foreign 
country. That's kind of personal, also. And I don't. I defer to the consultant here. If that's on purpose. But uh. no. I mean, but once again, you know, I, I like to make that distinction between a policy issue, which that is, versus a personal character issue, which you know, I think that gets more into the negative when you're starting to talk about a person in their personal life or their character or something like but that. But I think the Chinese flag is a good example where you can take a policy issue and when you fly that red flag, you can make it personal that way, where it could have been just you know. A decision based on policy, it does. It's reflecting now character. I think we saw that in a variety of different things this year. Where, if you had just made a statement about Ann Fisher voted against X, that would be one thing. But when you say Ann Fisher voted against X, and you put a picture of massacred puppies or something up behind Ann Fisher, that's totally different. It really. Or when you say Ann Fisher. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking speaking of. Speaking of massacred puppies, the place where much of this nastiness occurs is on television in those negative ads, those grainy black and white images, foreboding announcers, quotes and votes taken out of context. And here are a couple of the worst from 2010. Thankfully, we didn't see them here in Ohio. Shame on Bill Brady. I am a Republican, but I don't support him for the mass euthanization of animals. I'm a pretty staunch Republican. I will not be voting for Bill Brady. That's sick and wrong. I cannot go with my party on that issue. I'm Sharon Angle, and I approve this message. Want to know just how out of touch Harry Reid is? Spending $787 billion on a stimulus that failed is a start. Or Reid voting to give illegal aliens special tax breaks and social security benefits is another big clue. But here's the kicker. Reid actually voted to use taxpayer dollars to pay for Viagra, for convicted child molesters and sex offenders. What else could you ever need to know about Harry Reid? Well, what else you need to know is that Harry Reid actually won. Uh, but in the other ad, uh, Pat Quinn beat Bill Davis in that race for Illinois governor. Bob Clegg, you've helped candidates place the ads on TV sure. and radio, so you're not in the creative side. No. Have you ever seen an ad, without getting into specifics, have you ever seen an ad that really made you cringe in your career? Sure. I mean, yeah, you cringe and you wonder, is that going to work? And um, it works enough times that people want to do it. I mean, and, and once again... You know, I, that first one, even the second one with Harry Reid, I mean, sure, the, the way they're presenting it maybe gets to them as, as personal character issues, but they really are discussing, you know, policy issues in those ads. Even the first one with the, with the killing of the dog. They really are, and it's really important, but it's so really out of context that it's it's ridiculous so i mean but the uh, bottom line is it works and so it up, ultimately is up to the voters to decide are, am i going to do a little more research am i dig, dig a little deeper if they don't start doing that these will continue but did the sharon angle ad in particular work because there are a lot of hispanic voters in nevada yeah. they saw that ad as them being portrayed as thugs right she lost that vote big time so there's, there's a chance they could backfire. I think there is a chance they can backfire. And I think the thing that we have to remember is that negative ads aren't designed to target the base on either side. Um, you know, there's, they're, they're designed to target that voter who is completely undecided and you're just basically, you, it, you're not trying to woo them to your side, you're trying to scare them away from the other. Um, 
And so I think there was a point at which Erin Angle probably realized that she'd lost the Latino vote anyway, so she had nothing to lose by going ahead and running that. Um, and I think that sometimes also becomes part of the problem, that races that are either really, really tight or not tight at all is where you start to see all this kind of thing. But Angle had nothing to lose in this race. Do people really, I mean, it probably was a part of a bill that Harry Reid voted for that gave Viagra to inmates in prison. And, and it was probably an unintended consequence. Do people see that and say, is that, do they really believe that? I that's think the what casual voter was? might, uh, if he or she was predisposed to think that way anyway. The reason I say that uh, is based on some of the internet uh, things that are forwarded to me. Uh, President Obama saluting the flag on the wrong side. Uh, and you tell people it's not so, but they want to think something bad about him or about Harry Reid. By God, that ad just shows that that's, uh, that's right, and uh, boy, I'm glad I saw that. How about the outside groups? We've seen that really, well, the big one was swift boating with John Kerry was the first real impactful uh, outside group ad. They make the situation worse? They never do. They never do positive ads. It seems. No, I mean, th well, outside groups. I think feel a little bit more. Um, they have more freedom. I think they think they have mm -hmm. more freedom because they're really the backlash that you may have with an ad really isn't there when it's an outside group doing it. Um, sure, they try to go after the candidate who is being helped by that ad, but when there's no connection there, that candidate can say, please take it off, and that, that group can do whatever they want. And it's kind of a conditioned anonymity for these groups. I mean, they have these nice-sounding names, but they can say pretty much whatever they want without a direct consequence to the candidate. Like Bob And again, saying. unless the voters are willing to look it up and figure out who this group is, uh, the euphemism that they attach to themselves you know, is what's going to stick. And that's, but that's a really funny thing about the, the electorate, because people really do know whether those ads are being run. If, was, if there was some, you know, Strickland is a horrible person ad that was running, people knew which ones were sponsored by Kasich and which ones were not. And Kasich, in this particular race, candidates don't seem to get tagged with the, with the backlash, like you said. So you can have a, a third-party group out there um, that can say pretty much anything they want, and there is, there is no backlash. It doesn't come back. And the federal ads for Congress and for Senate and for President, the candidate has to say, I'm... So Barack Obama and I approve this, this message. message. Right. Has, but that doesn't have, that was the goal was to try to link them directly to a negative ad, but it doesn't seem to have softened the ads at no, all. No, what, what they're doing is they're putting that either in the beginning, usually in the beginning. You yeah. want to get that out of the way before you really start slamming. Yeah. So what they're doing is they're putting it at the beginning of the ad and then the rest of the ad just slams away. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think it's, it's doing what they thought it was going to do. Just visually and auditorially, you, it, it's so different from what yeah. the ad is. Sometimes, it, like particularly with that Sharon Angle ad that we just watched, mm -hmm. you don't even really get at first that that goes with the next, what's coming next. Right. Yeah. It doesn't... We have to end this segment with one more ad that's not just Americans who are doing negative <laughs> advertising. Take a look at this. Sam Cates. He's been mayor of Winnipeg for six years. What has he accomplished? He's waffled on rapid transit and made countless promises that are just unreasonable for a city like Winnipeg. Sam Cates. He kicks children in the face. Paid for by concerned pediatric orthodontists. Apparently, he lost, not the mayor, but the challenger who concerned pediatrics or orthodontics. <laughs> <and> pedi <laughs> so, not just down here. No.
All right, let's get to our next one. Unpaid television is also fueling the partisanship. It started with conservative talk radio and the expansion of cable news has arrived. Now more and more far-right and far-left commentators have a platform to criticize their opponents. All the while, the number of very partisan and very popular websites and blogs has exploded. And Fisher, how much can we blame Fox News and MSNBC for this divided country? Well, I'm pretty uh, true to this, and I have been for years. You can blame them all you want, but the bottom line is it's up to the electorate to educate themselves, and it always has been. And they're only patterning you know, a, a, a method on what's gone before. They're just expanding. They're just extrapolating on something that was going on before via the ads and, and, and dragging out. We say, you know, you said earlier that it's expanded, this, the election season's expanded to a month and a half or whatever. Well, now we've expanded it to, I say, not only 24-7, but 24-7, 365 days a year. I don't like using the word blame. Uh, this may be kind of uh, reflecting my blue collar or whatever you want it's sort of elitist to me. I mean, I'm for the First Amendment. I don't like Hannity. I don't like Olbermann. But I think people should be able to say whatever they want to. I don't watch it. And if that has an audience, I mean, that's the uh, technology we have now. It's there, and it's being exploited. It's not in a good way, I don't think. But, you know, let them all talk. I don't care. Ted Koppel calls Bill O'Reilly and Keith Olbermann the death of news, which is a pretty strong statement, but I don't consider Bill O'Reilly and Keith Olbermann news people. Neither do they. <laughs> That's because yeah. you're a news person. But, yeah. but, they, but they don't either. Yeah. Olbermann right. and, Ry and Riley will tell you they're not news yeah. people. Rush Limbaugh never claimed to be an unbiased radio news commentator. Similarly, I mean, but, but even here... Well, Fox News' tag is Fox News fair and balanced. Well, it's MSNBC. There's the word news in there yeah. somewhere, too. Yeah. But I think that... I, I mean, realize what it is. And I think that um, there are some of us who just come out blatantly and, and just say it. Um, you know, Outlook has never claimed to be unbiased. Well, let's wait. Wait a minute, a little bit. Uh, Ted Koppel was great. He did great things, but I think sometimes he's a bit pompous. Didn't he realize that newspapers used to start wars yeah. by the kind of coverage they had? We just have a more fast-moving medium now. Uh, you know, and newspapers endorse candidates. Newspapers Which, started because yeah. of conflict. Yeah, I mean so. Um, social media and the blogs, we talked about it just briefly earlier, that it, things just fly so fast. This is, I think all of this is reflecting the people. I really do. I think people, and this is good, I mean, we've had a lot of people now getting involved, being more aware, getting involved in politics. They can go online themselves as private citizens, put things out there, they are. Um, and there are a lot of, and usually it's the very committed people. So you're going to get very strong viewpoints from both sides. And I think we're just, I mean, the media is just reflecting what's going on out there. How about pigeonholing? I mean, the, years ago you had three networks, you had one or two newspapers in your city. With all this choice, and there's still only 24 hours in the day, you're going to pick what you're going to watch, what you're going to read. Are you more apt to pick, I'm just going to watch MSNBC or I'm just going to watch Fox News? And therefore, you're only getting their slant. Well, on here's it. the here's the I think the rub with social media is a lot of people don't even bother picking anything. They just sit back and see what comes across Facebook, what's coming across Twitter, mm -hmm. what their friends are looking at, what other people are looking at. Maybe they hash mark something on Twitter and they pay attention to it mm -hmm. that way. They're very selective, much more selective than just whether I'm going to watch MSNBC or Fox News. In my opinion, but when, when they do watch 
they watch Fox News exclusively or MSNBC exclusively. I have friends who do both, and they might just as well be speaking different languages when they talk to each other. Mm -hmm. It's great fun if you have a DVR to, to watch either Oberman or O'Reilly live and then DVR the other one and watch them back to back. And it's, it's like two totally, total different days. Because the stories they talk in the different slants. And then, then you watch The Daily Show to find out what's really going on. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> he could be the best media critic on That's the, the only planet. real news show. I think. Yeah. All right. Our next topic, the process of deciding which politician represents you also adds to this partisanship. Democrats and Republicans have taken turns every 10 years carving up congressional districts. If you look at the Ohio congressional map, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense in many ways. The goal every 10 years is to create the maximum number of safe seats for the party in charge. Safe seats tends to mean that the real battle in those seats is in the primary, and the candidates on the far edges of the parties tend to win the primaries. Michael Daniels, there has to be a better way of figuring out who represents who in a, on, a, on a congressional map. And it depends upon if you're in the party in charge every 10 years, <laughs> um, whether you believe that or not. You're probably right. Um, I think in Ohio we had an opportunity to do that a um, little over a year ago, and both parties missed the chance to sit down and do that. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't get that chance again or if that chance isn't <laughs> in some way thrust upon them. Um, but as, in terms of you know, drawing a safe district, you're right, it does. It comes down to a, it comes down to a primary battle. Um, does it make the conversation any more civil? Maybe, maybe not. Um, if you are the Republican in a particular district and you know that you're going to win, you don't have to lob bombs against your opponent. On the other hand, your opponent has nothing to lose by throwing the kitchen sink at you. And you don't have to compromise either. That's right. Or compromise no. could actually hurt you in a primary battle, right. should you try well, to find middle ground. We do have a problem in Ohio, uh, a real, not a problem, but Democrats are concentrated in big cities. Republicans are spread out all across the state. And that I think it makes it easier to do this kind of gerrymandering we have, to be honest with you. There's districts where a Republican couldn't win and where a, a Democrat couldn't win. And both sides, when they're incumbents, like that. And it depends upon the the geographical area of that big city, too. When you have a city like like mm -hmm. Cleveland, which is geographically relatively small, Cleveland is, is, is tiny and tall, um, you, drawing that geographical area, you almost have to draw a district that a Democrat can fit into. Um, it's possible to carve the city of Columbus into two or three different districts, which has been done over the last several years. And while people like Mary Jo Kilroy and Paula Brooks or even David Robinson will win hands down in the city of Columbus, if you add enough of what we refer to as the hinderlands to that, um, they're going to lose. But, you know, I would argue, though, that um, while you may think they're gerrymandered districts, we just came through a situation where Democrats were sitting in a lot of districts that were, quote-unquote, Republican districts. Zach Space had it for two terms. Um, you know, because of Bocieri, a scandal. John Periodically, you're yeah. going to have something yeah. go against the grain, something that goes against the equation. So I don't know if we're drawing them all that well, if those things occur. You could do better next time, though, because Zach Space and the other Democrats won in 2006 and 2008 where it was hard for any Republican uh, to win if there was just a little bit of competition. I thought it was interesting that this year they all they all lost, five of them. Right. And that was pretty good for your side. Back yes. to form. <laughs> How about letting the courts decide? I, that's tough. I mean, some states use commissions like New Jersey, Arizona. Um, 
it, it, it's what you want to do is you want to make sure you have the most effective representation you can. When a court comes in or commission, if they don't take into account seniority for certain congressmen and just every ten years just throw it all up for grabs, you know, is that going to help or hurt a state? It is undemocratic too. I mean, we elect people to yes. do these things, and maybe we don't like how they do them, but. Uh, I, I just think having courts decide things for us when they don't have to doesn't further democracy very much. I, I agree with that, and yet I go back to my saying, <laughs> the broken record thing. People don't know. I don't. They, they most voters do not know what these boards do. They don't what know it, the whether, enforcement board. They don't <laughs> no. know, and, the, and you can you can talk, and we've talked about it many times on this show. What's at stake here? La 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 la. Doesn't it? In Ohio, they enough. confuse the apportionment board with congressional redistricting. Yeah. Right. Always, even right. people yeah. who you wouldn't think that. Right? Yeah. Okay, let's get to our final topic. With a Democratic president and a U.S. Senate, but a Republican House, will anything get done in the next two years? Michael Daniels, are we at the beginning of a permanent state of gridlock, especially Probably. in Washington? Probably. Um, I think what you're going to see is, um, based on the bounce that the Republicans got this year, um, I think if they're smart, they're looking at how can we get a bigger bounce in 2012. Um, Obama's approval ratings are so low that to, to take a look at it now and say, is he vulnerable in 2012? Absolutely. Um, now, having said that, they've been, the Republicans, at least for the last two years, have been able to be the party of no in both houses. They will no longer be able to do that in the House of Representatives. So it'll be interesting to see what legislation comes out of the House, gets kicked over to the Senate, and whether, uh, let's see if we see as many filibusters in the next two years as we saw in the previous two. The, the victors were pretty far-right Republicans. The losers were pretty, pretty moderate moderates. Democrats. So we've, we're on, we're polarized. I right think on. we're seeing that already just by the mere fact that Nancy Pelosi got reelected as the leader of the yeah. House Democrats. Why they would do that, I don't know. But, I mean, that tells you how liberal that caucus has now become, that they're going to just stay with her no matter what. It's like, okay, she's going to lead them right, right over that cliff again, I guess. Do, so so do we, there's no compromise possible? I mean, are the was there ever a day, Bill, especially like after Watergate or during the Jimmy Carter years or the early Reagan years, where there was more compromise yeah. and what fueled that compromise? Oh, I'm not sure. I think they wanted to bring the country together, and I, I'm not sure there won't be compromise. If you listen to John Boehner after the election, uh, he didn't have the rhetoric as shrill and strident as Mitch McConnell, who wants to make a denying Obama a second term his top priority. Boehner was there when Newt Gingrich overreached in the 90s, and he saw what happened. It backfired on Republicans when they shut the government down. You know, by God, we won't do it, President Clinton. And he said, okay, don't. And he won pretty big in 1996. So I think people are looking for some solutions to their problem. And uh, Boehner, uh, we forget, worked with Ted Kennedy, for goodness sakes, on an education bill. So I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility. It's just finding an issue that they can come together on. I don't know what that might well, be. Well, he's dealing with a different caucus, too, than they were back in the That's 90s. True. I mean, they're not, they're already saying, you know, we're not going to follow you like sheep if you don't do what the people elected us to do, you know, to come to Washington to do. If you don't do what we're supposed to be doing here, we aren't necessarily going to we'll follow you. We'll dump you, maybe. Right. <laughs> and, and also, you got to realize, we're dealing with the president now who is pretty strong in his own ideas, in his own ideology, and there's got to be some movement there on his part, too, for all this to happen. But his friends think he's already moved too much. The liberal right. base yeah. does. That's anyway. his problem. <laughs> and, and 
I think that the you know the good news, Mr. Boehner, is that you won. The bad news, Mr. Boehner, is that you won. Um, he now they the Republicans just got this big bounce on the back of the House couldn't pass anything. They couldn't get people back to work. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Well, he's got two years to figure this out, and if jobs don't get any better. Um, people will take it out on the Republicans in two years because the truth of the matter is the party that holds the House is the one but that always the president gets that's up. running for re-election will be Barack Obama, mm-hmm. so that will mitigate that quite a bit. Um, at the state level, real quick, it's one party rule now for the most part. The Senate's very Republican. The House is back to Republican. We have a Republican governor who's promising to really shake things up. So there'll be plenty of movement in one direction anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? <laughs> that's the way it's been for quite a bit until the last four years. Um, yeah, I mean, th- but they got some big problems, and they re- understand that. I mean, they got big problems they got to deal with. Um, this is not going to be an easy job at all. I mean, you could say, yeah, it's gr-, you know, as a Republican, yeah, it's great, you know, we won. But once again, we won, so now we got to deal with this. And we're talking, you know, potentially an $8 billion budget deficit that's got to be resolved somehow. And we didn't just win. We blathered on and on and on, and it's all over the Internet for posterity. Everything we promised the voters, what we're going to do. Okay. It's time now for our off-the-record final parting shots. Michael Daniels, you're up first. Um, in two years, there'll be another election. There'll be a whole bunch of ads. Some of them will be negative, and some people will complain about it. And we'll say this is the worst year ever. And we'll say this is the worst year ever. Right. Bob. And, and you, you know, it's, I don't think things are as bad as everybody thinks it is. I think they will work together, even, even here in Ohio, uh, to get these problems resolved. Bill. Civility, like patience, can be an overrated virtue. Public officials and politicians often use it to mask censorship. So let's not get too carried away with the censorship. Let's just be civil. Let's not demonize. Let's just criticize. And Ann. I predict that things won't get worse because I don't think they're that bad now. Again, I think if people just educate themselves and pay, pay closer attention, then they're going to get the kind of democracy they want. Otherwise, they won't. To pick up on Bill's point, there could be too much civility. Look at the Columbus uh, School Board. They have a policy where they praise in public, but they criticize in private. So what does that do for open and honest debate where folks might disagree? It leads to nasty emails and special meetings, which we saw this fall. That is Columbus on the Record for this week. Please check us out online. You can see past episodes. You can see this episode online. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, and you can connect to all of that great stuff, that viral stuff we were talking about at our website, wosu.org slash COTR. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and our panel, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.